Welcome to another episode of Thoughts of a Trillionaire. It is 9.45 a.m. And uh, I'll try to break these up into actual segments once again. And I'm doing this regularly. <laughs> and since I happen to have a lot of, a lo- lot of long episodes, I'm going to try to break it up into segments so you can skip around um, if you like. This first segment. Well, here's what I think I'm going to talk about today. <laughs> so I'm going to start with uh of course updating on what i did yesterday um so talk a little bit about my my uh bank because uh i was we'll get into it but basically my my old bank went out of business switched to a new one and the new one has absolutely terrible user experience and i really want to talk about that (laughs) and then um my my contract for for futurist that one's looking good so talk a little bit about that, then go into um, watched some more DC animated movies with my partner. So talk a little bit about that, and finally, probably gonna go on a huge tirade about VR <laughs> because shoot, man, the, the 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 release of the HTC Vive or the the Vive Pro Two and the Focus Three, quote unquote, business edition. That just that just had me upset. Um, I mean, there's some good stuff around here. I'm not, it's not completely, it's not like it's all bad per se, but we'll, we'll talk about that. But that's probably going to be the longest part of this uh, audio journal today. So let's get into it. Quick aside, before I get into it, try to make a segment and it took like so long for it to process. So I'm not sure if that's going to happen every time. I really hope not because that will suck. But um, yeah, we'll see. Anyways. So, my bank. I was using this simple bank. It's just called Simple. <laughs> for the last couple of years, for probably a good four, four years maybe, four or five years. And um, it's been really great. Like, it, it, it was a great bank, um, at least for me, the, <laughs> the user. Um, they had great customer experience, great customer service. Like, I remember a couple times when I had, you know, some problems with, like, checks I was trying to cash or if I had like technical problems with them or even if I just wanted to ask them like what's going on with X or Y or Z they always got back fairly quickly right they have a support button on their in their app in their mobile app and it was always like pretty responsive like they got back with if not in a matter of minutes at least within the hour and then I really appreciated that because oftentimes you hear with these banks you know you call they give you the runaround for quite a while as you click through a bunch of calls so first of all, I was glad that I didn't have to call them. Second of all, that they actually that they were actually responsive, and third of all, that they were actually helpful. So you know, the customer service was absolutely great. And then they have a great user experience overall. And I didn't. No, I, I appreciated it to some extent, right? Like I understood as I was going through the app. Okay, this is this is pretty put well put together app. You know, I never really had to figure out too much about how things were working. But I really, really, really appreciate appreciate that now after seeing my new bank um, in their mobile app. That's just disgusting. <laughs> and so simple, you know, it was very clean. It was very straightforward of where your money was going. Like you can see, I can see the bank transactions for everything I've, I've done, you know, right there as soon as I open the app. Um, which, of course, you know, you can use... Uh, your thumbprint or, or your fingerprint to open the app too so you don't have to put a password in every single time so you know that that's that that ease of use is very awesome um as soon as i open up the app you see how much money i have available at the top and then i see all the transactions right underneath right simple and it was even color coded so green for you know money i have coming in red for money i had going out <laughs> and then it had a, a, a very clear pending for anything that that hasn't been fully processed, right? So it was, it was very clear. Number one, how much I had, money I had available. Number two, you know, where my money was going. This, that, and the other. So for some reason, they went out of business. Very unfortunate. Oh, another thing they had was the um, was like budget features. So you can have like estimations or rather set goals for what you want to save for, and it will have it so that you know take out every every you know week or 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 month or whatever no i think it's 
based on the week. That was it was a little bit limited in that way. So if you had, you know, if I set a goal for I want to save up for a laptop or whatever, it's two thousand dollars. So every week it will take out a certain amount of, um, to lead up to that. Um, once it gets to that point, you can pause it, and then when you play it again, you can you know catch up or just you know start from there and kind of reset your goal. Um, I didn't use it that much because I, I wasn't making enough money to to really be taken out of my account um, so 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 much. But that was a really cool feature, and I was I was trying to use it. Another ones they had was like uh, basically buckets. Uh, I know that's that's something that other like something like Mint had on Mint.com. So you can set categories for things that you want to save for, such as expenses, or you know, um, or if you want to be more explicit, something like bills versus rent. Um, versus, uh, you know, just pocket money or, 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 or have a budget for, for non-necessary expenses. Like if you want to have subscriptions, like you could say, okay, I'm going to spend this amount on subscriptions and that's it. So you can set, you know, how much money you want to allocate for each of those expenses. Um, that's something I use, um, quite a bit to, to keep myself on budget when I could. But, you know, all those were very easy to use, very straightforward, very useful. So I really like this, this freaking, um, this bank and this mobile app. So now, since I bank went out of business, they sold to a bank called BBVA. BBVA. Now, I was open to, you know, changing things up. I was like, okay, fine. It went out of business. Very unfortunate. The communications throughout has been okay. Has been super great. Uh, in terms of the transition between, you know, simple to BBVA. But what really irked me is that over on Sunday, that was a day of, uh, of, of changing things up, of the transition. And it was terrible, right? They had an email apparently that I missed because all the emails went to, to my one of that's the problem with Gmail, not necessarily them, but went, went to one of those other folders that's not your primary. So you have to check those a lot. The same one that has like spam or not really spam per se, but like newsletters that you may have signed up for years ago, but <laughs> don't really want look at and stuff like this. Um, and promotions or all this other stuff, right? So I missed the, the original email, which, which told you to get your account number and um, to use that to log into your BBVA account. But even when I went and logged in, like on, on the BBVA side, they said it wasn't really clear, like, what you were supposed to do to set up your account. They had this whole FAQ section and all this other information on there. But I'm trying to log in. Turns out can't log in with my username. Okay, I said, okay, maybe forgot my username. Maybe, maybe they changed it or something, right? So I put that in. And they said, use your, you know, your social security put that in oh this is not tied to your to an email this is not tied to any in any account I'm like okay what so they did this transfer apparently they didn't transfer everything so then I did the forgot my password or something like that and that allows you to put your account number and tie to your email or something like that and they said oh we don't have this account number I was like what you told me to use my account number now you don't have my account number and you can't call them because they, they explicitly state I had a, had a banner at the top saying, oh, we have more, uh, too much calls and, you know, warning. It's probably going to be a delay and all this other stuff. And I was like, I'm not going to mess with that. You know, it was a Sunday. I was like, you know what? Whatever. So come Monday, I was like, OK, let me let me figure this out. And um, again, same problems. But I had too much other work to do. So I was like, you know what? Whatever. I'll look this up another day. So yesterday, Tuesday, I did it again, and by some some way, I looked back at the emails. I was like, maybe I missed something. I had to miss something, and yes, I did. There was a link that went to a specific page that's for some reason was not shown on the original page, and it said you have to click through this one, and then or it's not. It was not shown on the BBVA simple transition page for some reason right it was not there you had to go in these emails and go through there and there was um something around activate your account now i, I did something that, like that before right in the original bbva simple transition account 
when you, but when you hit activate your account on that page on the general page right it made you create a whole new bank account like like you're trying to create a bank account from scratch and i was like this this can't be right but luckily yeah i found this one generally the same message you know activate your account and um then i could put my account number and then it could link me with my uh with my simple account which had my money and <laughs> all this other stuff in there luckily i could use my card you know in the, in the last couple of days but still like that that experience was just terrible so now i can you know download the mobile app open that up and then uh, terrible first of all their logging page for bbva mobile bank has a banner ad on it they're trying to peddle some one of their features they have going on right but it's basically a banner ad and it looks extremely tacky and then you have to put in your account number you know i mean your 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 password of course going to there i was like okay let me change this to to biometrics i can put my fingerprint because it's very annoying I have to type type my long password every single time <laughs> um but to say oh you can't put that you have to put your your phone number in here i was like but my phone number is already in the account and I was like, you know what? I'm not. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna mess with this any further. So, because as I was looking at this account, as you open up the account, it's, it's, it's terrible. Like, <laughs> they have your checkings and your savings in the same area, and that's all they show. So you can't see your account history unless you tap on your, your checking account, and then you see you know some transactions. But you have to click into that as well to see further transactions to see the difference between. Um, posted amount and available amount or something like that and this is what I what I figured out is that this is you know basically them trying to show you the, the difference between the pending um, transactions so things that you paid like for instance Lyft or Uber you know when you get some of those um, when you get a Lyft or Uber it doesn't it, it's pending until like the end of the day or something like that and then it all goes through um, but and simple they just show okay it's pending right and they show the available number at the top so you only have one big number to keep track of which is your available amount and then you can see all your transactions under it but this one in bbva you see like four or five numbers all right so first of all it's your um your checkings with your posted amount and your available amount and then your savings with your posted amount and your available amount i think there's a number another number somewhere there too i'm not going to open up again because i don't want to put my whole password in here but it's it's very it's very it's just not good design <laughs> right and then in order to put my mobile deposit you know to check to to take a picture of my check and, and deposit that in there that took like so many steps whereas in simple it only took like two steps it was very simple <laughs> but bva was it was just it was just not good and of course the 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 visual design is not good either you know looks pretty tacky looks just not good so that's just another mark on top of it and they have all these navigation options where they have a you have a bottom nav bar with five icons there five different things and then a a side nav bar as well a hamburger menu at the top right and if anybody knows anything about design about information architecture you know you can't you shouldn't have both you shouldn't have both a bottom nav bar and a menu a, a hamburger menu for a sidebar there's just too many things <laughs> right and it's unnecessary like it's 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 redundant and then half of the um the bottom nav bar things icons lead to things that you don't actually have like it's it's added features that you need to either download or sign up for or whatever right so it's not even like convenient it's, it's they're just trying to put more features for you to do there's so many other things i could talk about there but suffice to say i was just really really disgusted <laughs> and I was like, you know what this is this is high time it's just high time for me to try out these other apps that i've been looking at anyways so for the last couple of years really i had the wealthfront app downloaded on my phone i just never used it because i thought it was for you know investment and money management and stuff like that and i don't have enough money to be managing to, to be investing right um but i listened to like the wealthfront one of their founders was on a podcast a couple 
um, a couple of years ago. I listened. I forgot, I forgot what podcast it was on. It was so long ago. But I really like what they were talking about, and I downloaded the app. Never used it though. <laughs> um, partly because I couldn't. Like that was one problem with Simple, is that because of their two two factor authentication, is it, it was really difficult to to link that account with other accounts. So when I tried to link it with Wealthfront, um, about a about two years ago, I've, I've done it multiple times actually. Like every every year or so I'm like let me let me try this again but every time I try to link it it didn't link because of some other two-factor things that that didn't really work quite right um, but with BBVA BBVA since it's a little bit simpler um, in terms of the API like I think they have two-factor as well for BBVA but it's not it's not as good it's not <laughs> so it it I guess it was just able to link and they, they send over like the security questions for some reason they couldn't do that with simple I'm not sure what was wrong with their API but well Wealthfront I can link that up to my BBVA, BBVA account um, oh no at first I couldn't actually because it said something was wrong with the processing and lo and behold when I try to log in to my BBVA account yesterday there were several times when I couldn't and most of the time it took a long time to sign it like it would take 30 seconds that's a long time for an app to load up. When I put in my, you know, password account and try to log in, it takes like 30 seconds for it to go through. Right? And then when you're clicking through the app, there's so many times when it's just buffering. I'm like, what in the world? Like, why is it? Why is your technology so crap? <laughs> and yeah, that was just like I said, many many problems I had just in the last two days alone with this dang dang app. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm linking up Wealthfront. Not sure if I use it yet because, like I said, they're mostly targeted towards like robo, robo investment, robot investment, like auto investing your money and stuff like that. And I think recently they started having some checkings and um, these types of features. But is they, they especially to state they're not really a bank, right? They're tied to another bank. Um, they're more of a money management type of thing. So another one I downloaded was um, Chime. Now Chime, that is a beautiful experience, beautiful user experience. It was super easy to sign up, right? Like the the onboarding was very clean, very straightforward. Um, going through the app was very straightforward. I can already tell. Like I could probably pull this one up because it's super simple. Um, I was able to get the thumbprint working first try, no problems. Look at that. Unlike using using the uh, biometrics, boom, just like that, All right? And so. Chime is super, super easy, and it, they have this uh, benefit. They're saying, you know, fee-free overdraft, which I don't really bother with because I don't like overdraft anyway, so I make sure <laughs> never have to worry about that. But with Simple, it was just no overdraft. Like, if you couldn't afford the transaction, you couldn't make it. I was like, okay, cool. I'm good with that. <laughs> like, I don't want to mess with overdraft. But, you know, that's that's interesting. Fee-free overdraft up to $100. Um, I'm not going to use it, but it's interesting. Uh, get paid up to two days early. Now this is something that's useful for me right now, you know. When you, with these direct deposits, you can get up to two days early. That can come in handy. Um, save when you get paid, and then all this other stuff: spending account, savings account, and it's, it's just a simple thing. Like they automatically send you send you a, um, a card in the mail. Didn't have to ask for it. Didn't have to worry about you know whether or not gonna they're gonna pay me a fee for it and bbva they do not make that clear of you know their fees and stuff like that you have to go in the back and and turn off overdraft fee or turn off no i'm sorry they have to turn off the um the pa the paper payment paper payment you have to opt out of that in order for them to not charge you every time they send you a paper <laughs> paper statement you know so that's the uh but yeah, Chime looks is looking good. I tried to sign up for Ally for Ally because um, I heard good things about that. But their service was wasn't too great. Like when I went on their website, it wasn't actually clear like what kind of account I should set up. I'm not gonna go through it right now. But if you go through, it, you'll see what I mean. Like it's not really clear what kind of. Maybe I'm just not that smart, but that could be a thing. But <laughs> it wasn't clear to me what kind of account I should set up. So I was just like, you know, okay, I guess I'll try. You know, these these accounts here. Um, but as I was going through there, they said something something was wrong with my account, and had to wait two or three days for them to get back to me. So I'm like, oh, oh okay, 
fine, I guess. <laughs> so worried about that. I mean, not really worried because it's just signing up, but that was strange. So yeah, that that's my adventures in the uh, the banking. These these banking apps. Um, it's it's very sad. I really enjoy Simple. Um, rest in peace. I hope Chime is is really good. Um, hope Wealthfront will will have a will be useful for me. And um, we'll see where this goes. BBVA is trash. Stay away from them. But yeah, that's that's that. So let's get into the um, more interesting stuff. <laughs> I went on a whole tirade for freaking was it, 18 minutes. Wow, so sorry. Let's get into better stuff. So after the whole um, banking fiasco, or not really not after, but <laughs> um, near, near the afternoon. I went and picked up my Oculus from from uh, my the new job I'm working at, so I'll actually be able to test out these different experiences I'm going to be messing with. Um, create good design documentation around that. So I'm going to be able to create some uh, some things about Web AR and all this other stuff. I'm, I'm I'm just very excited for that. Not much to report on for that right now, but um, I'm excited for that. Had a conversation also with uh, BTMP. Um, CEO Chris Christopher Lafayette he's a great guy really like that program is going on um, y'all check it out BTMP black technology mentorship program they're growing really fast there's a lot have a lot of things that they, that they have going and um, had a great conversation because like I, I think I mentioned this in a couple episodes ago but they recently had a um, started started having us create applications for or do bag background checks because of some things they discovered about some folks in there um and i i was i was very upfront with them i was like okay this i understand the need to do background checks and i did some research um where a lot of people were pointing out you know why people do background checks and all this other stuff but i'm pointing out for him like especially with a program like this this is not really something that is ethical right <laughs> on the on the basis of of um number one so background checks has been shown to be harmful for recidivism for people who maybe they did have some you know um problem with the law but the problem is that they they could have had some problem years ago it could have been in their childhood in their early years 10 years ago something like that right 10 20 years for a non-violent crime might add it could very much be they you know <laughs> went to jail for weed which now is becoming legal right but still a lot of places are it's illegal and a lot of places a lot of people suffer from that and now if you do a background check on them and then just dismiss their their application just like that if something comes up for, from that then it makes it really difficult for them like i know somebody who who was in that situation right they were they grew up in a tough neighborhood eventually got out but had some you know run-ins with the law when they were younger but now it's really hard for them to find a job because people, you know, employers want him to do a background check and then something comes up from 20 years ago. And then he's and then what? Right. He's out of luck. Like it's messed up. He had to go through this whole process to get that expunged, even though it should have been, you know, already. But there's plenty of examples where people have already served their time. Right. Have already you know <laughs> did what they're supposed to do to to make up for what they did right and these sorts of background checks very often dismiss people just because something comes up without any any questions about it so that's the first part of why i say it's like unethical um but another aspect of it is too is and this is why i discovered when i when i was researching is that very often it's also illegal like there's a lot of places where people have started realizing that they can put people bring people to court right because that's a form of discrimination because once again like if people already serve their time and then you're dismissing them anyways you know because something came up in their background check then there's it has nothing to do with whether or not they're good for the job right it has nothing to do with the job and so that that has be, increasingly became a, a a place of contention for for lawsuits and things like that. And I told him like, okay, you have to really be careful with this, right? You can't just put in a background check on there and and have no communication about it. Um, and I'm pointing out how 
it, yes, it's important to look for safety, like especially in, in places like this, if we have mentorship programs where your, you know, mentors are, are you know, talking to children or um, if we're in group areas, like if we're physically together or if you're trying to do due, due diligence for um, employers or for, you know, investors or things like that. Yeah, I understand this due diligence is important. You want you don't want them to pull up something that you could have and should have found that's really pertinent to their um, situation, right? However, you have to be transparent with that, right? You have to show, you have to actually explicitly state, we need a background check for this specific position, for this specific reason, right? And if you do pull up something, you can't just dismiss them. You have to talk with them and say, okay, what happened here, right? Like, what happened? Like, is this, is this still a problem? Like, you know, does this have to do with the job? All this other stuff. Like, you have to communicate with them, you know, what, what's going on for that. And so I had, we had a great conversation about that. Um, and he, he agreed that, you know, there should be some transparency because we all have. And it's another really interesting thing I found is that more and more people are starting to have these, you know, these these uh, records. It could be as simple as drunk driving. You know, that could be on there. And certain certain background checks don't really tell you why, like what they pulled up. They just tell you something came up. Right. It doesn't really tell you exactly what the crime was. So um, that's another problem. And I think the stat was around around 20 percent of people have have some sort of criminal record or have some sort of, you know, thing that will come up there. And then um, another thing I'm pointing out is that apparently a lot of these background check apps and because there's a lot of them. I try to as you start to research, you have to be careful because a lot of these places will say, oh, yes, background checks are necessary because this, that and the other. But then they are a background check service. Right, so they have no sources, no citations, no research done. They just say this, this it protects you, it gives you safety, and blah 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 blah. But when you actually try to find research on it after you, after you comb through, you know, all these these <laughs> bull bull crap, you know, marketing focused uh, examples, you see research that says, oh, there's no strong conclusions. There's no strong conclusions that show you that background checks provide more safety. Because you're just as often to come across people who have no background check history, but may have had some mental health problems or suddenly snapped or whatever. Right. And, you know, that's where a lot of the crimes and all this stuff happens in the workplace. Right. Some people do have examples of, oh, this person, you know, had a record and then they came to jail. I mean, they came to work and did some bad stuff. Some people do have that. Don't get me wrong. That does happen. But it doesn't happen as much as people expect it to. Right. The research does not shows rather that there does not seem to be a higher rate of safety in places that do background checks than places that do not. Right. They, they don't seem to show that, you know, doing background checks protects people because you can have people who didn't have a criminal record who can who can be crazy, who can do all sorts of crazy things. Right. Like the background check doesn't really create that safety. It creates a, a, a illusion of safety. And that's, in my eyes, more dangerous. Because you think everybody is safe around you, right? And so you don't do the, the, the right due diligence, right? You don't pay attention to their behaviors. You don't pay attention to their mental health. And so when, things, when something happens, you're, you're completely caught off guard. This is why it's so important to be more transparent. And furthermore, to have more conversations in the workplace about people's mental health to get a better understanding of what people are going through. Like I told him some personal examples I can't really share publicly, but I've been in places where you have people that were completely fine, who were really good people, and they did some some shady things. You know, did some shady things you would not expect it because of personal situations they had going on in their life. I was like, this is the sort of thing that you're going to have to deal with. And he pointed out, too, like they want to work with people coming out of prison and all this stuff. So I told him, like, I understand that you that you may want to do background checks because of this you know, situation that just came up. But you also have to be more transparent. Right. We have to be more transparent. We can't just say, oh, do a background check. And that's it. No, you have to point out, OK, this is why we're doing a background check. Right. 
this is why it might be relevant to this specific position. Maybe you're handling cash and we want to make sure you're not a bank robber or something like that. Right. And if you if, if you are, then we need to have a conversation about that. Like if you're if you're if you're lying, that's a whole different thing. If you're lying about, you know, what 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 you have done, then that shows a certain thing about your character. But a lot of times you have no idea how safe or or good people are, are being or anything like that. So you have to be very explicit. You have to be very transparent for these sorts of things. And that's all that I pointed out. So, yeah, that was a great conversation. Um, and then we, we started talking about XR. Always fun stuff. <laughs> um, which leads... No, wait. Before I get into that whole XR stuff, want to... I want to talk a little bit about some DC animated movies that we were watching with my uh, partner yesterday. So let's get into that. <laughs> okay, so for some reason it didn't record my the whole thing I was talking when I was talking about the DC animated universe. Oh, that's very annoying. I'm not going to say all that stuff again because it's about time to go eat. <laughs> so I want to go ahead and finish this thing. But I guess to kind of recap everything that I thought I was saying <laughs> we can anchor this is annoying I don't know why it does that sometimes I hit record you know I put it down because I, I went to change tabs to see if I can pull up the the list and apparently I guess it stopped recording which is weird because some it, it, sometimes it does that I don't really know why like sometimes with the anchor app you can go to another tab and it will still record and sometimes you can't I don't really understand why or how so that's very frustrating but um what I was basically saying with the DC Animated Universe is that I wish they had more um, cohesion, right? Going from one movie to the next. Because we looked up, we, we tried to look up what order to watch these DC Animated Movies because there's like 20 of them on HBO Max. And uh, there, uh, a lot of people have different lists, but most of them have a generally the same type of list. So we looked at that one. And apparently it's like, it's like a fan thing that people put up. Um, people who've watched the whole thing just put the put it together. Apparently, the the the, the directors, like the the showrunners themselves, don't like don't put these together for for us. For us, and I don't really understand that. That that seems very uh, counterintuitive to people understanding your universe. So that's very frustrating to me, um, to us really. But and this is it, it, what's what's also frustrating about this is that you see it in their storytelling. Like the uh, the character development and the team development is not really solid, you know. Um, certain characters with their own movies, you can see like Batman, you can see their character um, transition. Uh, things like Robin, you know, Damien, you can see his transition. But Green Lantern, who hasn't has had a movie, as as far as I can tell, um, yeah, maybe I missed it. But from the list that we found, you know, it he doesn't seem to have a standalone movie. And uh, you can you can tell because he doesn't have any character, you know, um, development. He's a, the same type of person he was in the, in the beginning. And then the team itself don't doesn't seem to have a development. Like even though they have been just elite movies, a lot of them they don't necessarily work together as well. Um, so when they're like in this last one, we were watching the death of Superman, uh, pretty good movie, but like they didn't seem to be working very well together. Like some in some parts they were like when they were fighting Doomsday at the end a little bit. Um, but other parts they weren't, and what's annoying about this movie, and this is this is the thing with mo many many action movies, so it's not it's not a gripe for just for DC, but what I kind of get annoyed about is like how you have the one at a time type of thing, where you, you see this on both sides with both the good guys and the bad guys, where they fight the enemy, they fight each other one at a time, and the other group is laid out for some reason. Even though they're super powerful people and can withstand, you know, dropping from the height of an entire building and all this, and, and you know, be hit through through half the city and all this property damage and all this stuff, and they fight each other one at a time, and it just it just seems like artificial drama, and I feel like they could that could be written better somehow, better choreography and stuff like that, but I'm not gonna get into that right now. But um, yeah. In the death of Superman, they had certain people come up, like the Hawk and Martian Manhunter, who were never, never seen before, and uh, 
chronologically speaking, at least as, as, as we thought it was chronologically speaking, they just come out of nowhere. And Shazam is nowhere to be found. Like, they don't, he just disappears for some reason. They don't talk about him anymore. They don't show him, even though he's a fairly powerful character. Um, so that was, that's kind of disconcerting. So, yeah, I wish it was a little bit more or a lot more cohesive. But, you know, most of these movies have been pretty good so far. So it's been a good, you know, watch. Um, probably some more I could talk about that. But like I said, I, I just I just did a whole, you know, spiel about them. And it didn't re- get recorded. So whatever. Now let's get to my rant about VR. Because goodness, I have a rant about that. Okay. So, HTC finally dropped their new headsets. We got the HTC Vive Pro 2 and the HTC Focus 3 Business Edition. And that just had me sick. Alright. So, first of all, I do want to applaud them. Like, this is some good technology they have going on. They have a, the HTC 3 um, or the, the HTC Pro 2. Is a is a nice little um, upgrade from the the last Pro. Five uh, K resolution. I think it goes up to 90, 90 hertz um, refresh rate. So that's pretty good. Uh, decent field of view. I think it's just one hundred twenty up from their one hundred ten from before. So not not super big, not Pimax, but um, it's decent. And I have a couple other things. I'm not really going to get into technical specs right now, but. It's it's a decent little upgrade, not really a innovative resol- revolution or anything like that, but it's a decent upgrade, right? Um, unfortunately, they still have the wands, and I'm not, I'm honestly not a huge critic of the wands. Like I've used those; this is the ones I've used for the last three years. Like I've I've, I've grown grown pretty comfortable with them, but I do admit that they're that they're very they're not great, right? And I actually like the wands. I personally like the wands more than the Oculus controllers. But granted, I haven't used the Oculus controllers that much. But the the bit I have used them for, they feel too small for me. And I don't have big hands. Like I have, you know, rel- I'm a relatively small guy. I don't I don't really have big hands. But it it just feels cl- like I don't like to feel like I'm clutching this thing. Um, and it feels like you have to kind of clutch these controllers like in a claw grip type of thing. And um, I didn't like. I didn't really like that. I mean, granted, with the wands, you have to hold them, and they're heavy, and it and it gets you know tiring as well. So either way, it's not great. The Vive knuckles are hands down the the best all the controllers all around anyway. So, um, but it's it's, it's whatever. I do wish they had better controls that they would have figured out some new innovation, but it is what it is. My my whole gripe with HTC, and I'm I'm gonna say it outright, I think they're cowards, right? I think they are freaking cowards, and and here's why: they they dropped the Focus Three, which is their standalone headset. So basically, it's a VR headset you can use without a computer, and they they. They've had a Focus, like the Focus line. This is the third one in the line because they had the Focus and the Focus Pro. And what's crazy is that they had this be- years before the Oculus Quest came out. I think a year or two before the Oculus Quest was released publicly. So they had the technology. They had the knowledge. They had the even some market, um, some market like uh, capture, right? At least in the East, in China and things like that. So it's not like they're they're new in this field or anything like that. They know what they're doing to make a standalone headset. Unlike many of these other players, like you know um, Sony and and Microsoft and Apple, who haven't really made a headset, a VR headset, right? I mean, Sony it has with their previous VR, but it's not. It's trust me, it's not the same. <laughs> But yeah, they they made a standalone headset. They've made PC VR headsets. They understand this technology. So when they dropped the Focus 3, I was what made me what makes me so sick is that they call it the business edition. And there is no consumer edition. To my knowledge, 
there is no regular Focus 3. Like, I don't think it's possible to buy the Focus 3 for pure consumer use. Like, on their website, I think it says um, contact for sales. Right? Let me let me look this up for, to say for sure. Focus 3. Put on Google. Let me see if this freaking thing didn't stop the recording. Okay, yeah. Recording's still going. Um... Focus 3. Oh, they have terrible uh, SEO. Like the, they, were, they were not the first thing to pop up there. But here we go. Buy Focus 3. Here we go. It's $1,300, might I add. $1,300. So that's quite expensive. You can buy like four or five Oculus Quest 2s with that. <laughs> um, but don't, don't get me wrong. It's great. It's great specs. Right, it's almost the same specs as a VC as a as a as a PC VR as their Vive as a Pro 2, which is crazy. So they also have 5K resolution. They also have 90 um, 90 hertz refresh rate and 120 um, field of view. But yeah, I'm on their site, and it just says contact sales. Buy Focus 3. That's it. Contact sales. There's no. You contact sales and what does it say? You have to put, you know, your first name, last, all the company name, all this stuff. So there's absolutely no way, at least not easily, for a consumer, for an everyday person to buy, even if they could, could afford it, to buy a Focus 3, to buy a standalone headset that is not Quest 2. Now, I know there's other people in this field. There's the Pico Neo 2. But that one's not as good. Um, I, I'll talk that about that in another episode, perhaps. But this one is just my gripe with Vive. Because Vive is not a small name. HTC is not a small name. They have become synonymous with VR. They've basically been one of the major innovators in this space. One of the major brand names in this space. Anybody that ever heard about VR that's been shopping for VR, you can't not hear about HTC Vive, right? It's, it's, it's big. They may not have the same market capture as Facebook, but it's big, right? And so when they, when they released this, and they called it a business edition, I'm like, how are you going to call it a business edition when there's no consumer edition? There's no regular edition. There's no, you know, standard edition. <laughs> so what this speaks to me is that they are absolutely terrified of even of even thinking about competing with Facebook in the consumer space and that's very very concerning that's disgusting my because it it, it kind of it kind of gets you thinking about conspiracies it's like why in the world like there's no reason even though it's expensive they could have they could have still price it at consumer levels they could have said it's a thousand dollars for a consumer headset and you can buy it here they could have even made it more expensive fifteen hundred dollars for a consumer headset i guarantee you people would buy it maybe not as many people as oculus quest 2 but at least it would be an option and i, I just can't think of a, of a reason why it will be exclusively business edition don't get i i understand business is a big space i understand they, they can make a lot of money from enterprise like they have so many people that are buying that are trying to make you know enterprise experiences for training for you know uh for for mental uh, mental health for wellness for um business like like uh, remote operations all this stuff right there's a lot of use cases for enterprise edition for enterprise use but the fact that they consciously made this exclusively business oriented when they did not have to speaks to me of their cowardice. Because like there's they, they claim that you can buy this headset and you could do whatever you want from it. Like it's privacy focused. That's clearly a barb against, you know, <laughs> Facebook. Like, it's privacy focused. All your data is, is on the headset itself. Right? It doesn't get released. You don't have to have an account to log in. 
it's it's um you can put any applications on it you don't have to put you don't have to use a specific store you can use their store and this is where the business comes in like you can use their 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 services to make it easier to do remote operations to um do it services for 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 lbes you know location-based entertainments and arcades who want to you know remotely operate their their and and keep track of their headsets and all this stuff like they have options for this it makes sense why they have a specific business edition but it doesn't make sense why it's exclusive right it doesn't make sense that a consumer can't just buy this for the, for their home experience just i don't i just don't understand like maybe i'm missing something maybe can somebody somebody can elucidate me on this but it it, it just it just boggles the mind and this is a good looking headset i'm 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 one of the, I'm for for one I don't think the the look of the headset really matters because I think people are going to make fun of headsets no matter what cuz they're they're goofy looking thing no matter it's just weird any technology people are going to make fun of people make fun of the Apple of of Apple stuff right of of the iPhone for the notch for the camera for the camera bump or all this other stuff right people make fun of that all the time but it doesn't it doesn't reduce the the consumer sales it doesn't matter if Samsung made a whole commercial making fun of, you know, the, the notch and all this other stuff. People still went out and bought it. So the whole argument that people aren't buying headsets because aren't buying headsets because it looks funny, it's not an argument. It's complete trash. Like nobody cares. It's just funny to make fun of. What people care about is comfort. It's ease of use. It's usability. It's experiences content right this is the stuff that matters and so the fact that they made this look good shows that they they they, they're trying to make some type of brand you know statement they're trying to appeal to some people (laughs) there's another uh somebody on youtube pointing out it's like these they they up their twitter game leading up to this to this whole release right they they increased their hype they made their hype, like they, they fanned the hype machine on Twitter. We're dropping headsets. We're dropping two headsets. All this other stuff. People were hyped for it. And if they knew they were being completely business oriented, why in the world would you hype it up on Twitter? I know business people are on Twitter, but is it really like having a hype, you know, rollout on Twitter? I don't think that's going to matter to businesses. Like most businesses aren't aren't making their buying decisions on whether or not they 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 saw the hype on Twitter. And then their their actual um, expo their their convention was very boring. Like their hour long thing was very boring. You can look it up yourself. Tell me if if I'm wrong. Right. And so it's like. It's it almost speaks of incompetence. Like these people have one way of looking at it. They think they're building hype and doing all this stuff. They're, they're doing being all cool and all this, but they're not. They're not even targeting consumers. They're targeting businesses. They're targeting enterprise. And enterprise doesn't make decisions on uh, on hype. Or at least they shouldn't, <laughs> right? Regardless of of if they had hype or not. Any enterprise worth their salt would have people who know what HTC is doing. Who would they they would they would hire people like me <laughs> or you know um, more more um, more more experts more people that's more out there that is keeping track of this stuff regardless of whether or not they have hype. So it's like. HTC is trying to appeal to consumers to the regular consumer base by building hype and having a, a convention that they think is cool but is actually not. It's like they're, they're completely off off taste. Like they have they're disillusioned. I, I don't know. They're d- delusional. They don't understand the difference between their brand and you know the actions that they're doing. I don't know. It's just all around. HTC year after year has has 
uh, it just seems to be incompetent. And this is coming off of the cosmos. That was a fiasco, right? That was a that was a mess. Terrible hardware. It could have been extremely innovative. It could have been amazing that you can take a headset, you know, uh, and and use it for your phone. Like you can power it from your phone or power it from your PC or have it stand alone, right? That was a wonderful idea. It was a really interesting idea. Came out, it was it was just it was just garbage. Had none of that um, powering off of your phone or your computer or anything like that. The the tracking was terrible. It, and it was just like what what. HTC, why? What are you doing? It's like they're purposely trying to squander their own innovations, their own technology. It just really boggles the mind. And so, yeah, it, the fact that they had they they said that, man, I was just like, man, this is garbage. Because even if it was even if it was fifteen hundred dollars. I would still save up and be like, this is a quality headset. You know, I think it's too expensive, but I would still buy it. I would save up for it. And I know a lot of a lot of people would too. So I don't know, man. Ugh, it's just disturbing. And, it, and you, again, you, ha- you have to ask why. Why are they not doing any sort of consumer rollout? Why are they not even allowing a consumer, regular consumers to just buy it? Outright, why did Facebook do something? Did Facebook have a gun to their head and be like, "You bet not," <laughs> right? Because that's what it seems like. Again, maybe somebody can can educate me on this, but it just I just don't understand. Doesn't seem to make much sense. But anyways, that's that's my gripes for for HTC Vive and that rollout. And again, it's a great headset. It's a standalone headset. With 5K resolution. I mean, 5K, yeah, 5K, you know, resolution and uh, 90 hertz refresh rate. And, right? It's it's a great headset. They say they're going to release. Um, it's not it's not eye tracking. That's another thing. They, they don't have innovation, certain innovations on there that should be standard on there now. Like, they had the Vipro Eye before, with which had eye tracking and foveated. And they were talking about foveated rendering. But they didn't include that here. They didn't include any eye tracking or foveate rending on either of their headsets, I think. I could, I, I may, maybe I missed something, but I don't think they included it. They don't have face tracking. While the deck of gear, you know, they're, they're making a the whole thing off of they're going to have face tracking and lip tracking and hip tracking and stuff like that. And yeah, the HTC is going to be compatible with third-party stuff. So you can put, you know, a, another add-on for, for this from another third-party. But the fact that they don't include it in the headset itself, how innovative are they really being? Because again, it's not like 5K resolution is brand new. You had plenty of other headsets: the Varjo, the uh, the um, the Pimax, and a few others, I think. But anyways, yeah, that that's just it. Really got me bothered with that. And oh, and there's another thing, like. <laughs> They, they, people claim, oh, oh, Oculus can, you know, go, can uh, sells it at a loss because they're making money off of the the data that they're taking, right, and the the content. Well, guess what? HTC had had the um, the they had their own library of content. I don't, I'm not sure if people realize this, but they basically have a Netflix of content where you can pay one subscription and then play a whole bunch of content, almost all the stuff that's on PC VR. That's way more than Oculus has, right? It's it's like the Android store of of their of the experience, right? And yes, there's there's pros and cons for that, like um, quality control and stuff like that. But it, to me, having more options beats beats that out, especially because and we we see this now with Apple. Even though people claim it's quality control, there's plenty of crappy apps on there, right? And if anything. It really destroys like the free marketplace idea, because in a in a controlled space, you're up to the publisher. You have to depend on the publisher to number one, okay your app being in there, and number two, 
claim that you know this is unique enough or whatever, right? You don't you can't have as much competition. You can't have as much free free market action and such in a closed garden. And so the the open PC VR market is is way more competitive. It has way more options, way more ability to find something that's really unique and really interesting and have more competition and all this other stuff. And Vive actually had I'm not sure if they have it for the new for the new one because it's a business edition, but you know, we were thinking about using that for the arcade where you have this whole access to things, right? So they had a virtual world that's very similar to the Oculus Home where I thought they were building towards this where you have a metaverse and you can get into a, a spaceship or whatever and, and pop into one of these, you know, virtual uh, games and experiences. They were building that. But now it's nowhere to be seen. Facebook is building one. the um, Facebook Horizon. Unreal is building one with their metaverse and a number of other companies. So why did Vive stop? To me, that just speaks to either their incompetence or some or some type of conspiracy. Like it really, it's really hard to, to to think of a of a valid business reason for why they are completely destroying their brand. They're focusing so much on the business, on the enterprise. But even there, it's it's not great. Like again, because it's so expensive, only big businesses can afford this. And even then, a lot of big businesses, if they if they just have a casual use, like if they want remote um, remote work, like if they want say to say, hey, we want all of our employees to come to Alt Space VR, so we can see each other virtually, even though we're distributed, right? That's a very valid use case. A lot of businesses are doing this nowadays. Like I heard of a, um, I forgot which one, but one of the one one of these businesses bought like a, a couple hundred headsets, all Oculus Quest, because it was easy, because it was cheap. And so now all of their you know people can go into you know these virtual worlds together and 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 work remotely while still having that virtual presence. A lot of companies are starting to do this. And guess what? They're not going to buy a thirteen hundred dollar business edition headset. Not unless they're really pushed in, in terms of privacy and, and all this other stuff. They're going to cut corners. They're going to go to the, the cheapest one in the market, which is Oculus Quest. And so you, you, you're telling me they're enterprise-focused. There's business there to be had, and yes, there is. But they're still, even in enterprise, they're losing a lot of business just because they're, number one, too expensive. Number two, not easy to get. Number three, lacking um consumer ease ease of use so yeah it, it it just really boggles the mind like it's really sad they could if they wanted to i think they could have and this is my opinion i, I again i don't know their business their in, internal business metrics maybe i'm wrong i could very much be wrong but from the outside it's very hard to figure out like what business sense they're making and a lot of people are on the same idea is me like i'm not the only one there's a lot of people that's like what in the world and a lot of i'm talking a lot of much smarter people people who are in the enterprise space who are buying these headsets with all this other stuff right they say the same things you can look up a lot of articles about this like it doesn't really make sense but here's my idea like if if they could have if they wanted to make back money for having a cheaper headset like they, they could have a cheaper headset and then offer a service Similar to the Oculus Quest, um, the Oculus uh, Home or the Oculus Marketplace or whatever they called it. We have a Vive Marketplace of content. We have basically all the PC VR content in a metaverse on the standalone headset. So now you don't have to download Steam or a separate store or any of this other stuff. Because again, they have discrete exclusive maybe not exclusive but they have their own licensing with a number of content creators a, num- a number of um a number of developers a number of publishers to have content on the vive platform 
they could release that. It could be like a Netflix for VR. So you pay a subscription, and then you access, you know, any of these, any of these, uh, these con, this, any of this content through the standalone headset. You don't have to mess with a store. You don't have to mess with anything. You just, you just go. That's that's a huge value add. You telling me they wouldn't make back money? They don't have to go subscription. They can they can go like they had another um they had like an arcade model within within their own setting where, where you you buy credits. You buy credits and you can purchase you can use those credits to to purchase access to any of these games. So you can pay a certain amount of credits to access the game like a couple times, maybe play it once or for a couple hours, or you can you can buy it outright and they get a cut of each of any one of those. So it's very lucrative. Very lucrative. It's basically the arcade model. But they they don't release it very well. They, they have terrible user experience. It's not... They didn't move fast enough to include it with arcades. They 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 make it really difficult for arcade owners to, to, to contact them and put this in their arcade. So again, it's like... They have this out there. Like, it works. But their business sense seems to be lacking. So yeah, that's that's my thing about them. Um, and I, it's just really sad because I really, everybody agrees that Oculus, Facebook is doing some really bad things in the space. Like their privacy is not that good. They claim to release some some ethics um, things on there, but ex- experts have gone through the ex- ethics uh, manifesto, whatever they crap they put out, and showed that there a lot of their stuff doesn't really pan out like that they, they they claim one thing and then they're doing another so facebook is just all around just not a good consumer consumer headset it's just cheap yeah it's convenient and cheap but that's it like it, it the privacy problems the ethics problems the and it's only a matter of time that they, they they're gonna be even worse with it as they start putting ads in there as they start you know doing more um, control it's just it's just a, a recipe for disaster and Vive could be the champion for consumers Vive could be the champion for much of the marketplace especially if they if they really ha- they really honed in on this they could be the market lead and when other people see their success then other companies are going to get into this because right now many companies like Sony and Microsoft who could be d- doing headsets themselves are not like with the PS5 and the Xbox there's no VR components with it there for and the only reason is because they, they claim that nobody's asking for it they claim it's, it's too early it's not ready but if they if they actually put forth the money and the, 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 the time and the research and all this other stuff it could be ready it could be ready far faster right they're just waiting for other people other businesses to to do that work and that's, that's just it's sickening because if, if we want innovation we can't depend on somebody else to do the innovation to, to you can't wait for somebody else to do the innovation before we decide to do it because it's very likely that nobody will do it because everybody nobody except the person who wants to you know rule everything facebook right if they're the only ones doing the innovation then that's not a good that's not a good market that's not good for the health of the of the marketplace, and just uh, it just saddens me so much. This is one of the many reasons why I want to start my own thing, right? Why I want to have my own research and development company. I'm just like, okay, consumers want this. Like we know this. We we did the research. We we talked to people. We see that they want this, that, and the other. Let's figure out how to give it to them. We need people. We need companies who are actually focused on consumers. Who truly want to help people, want to make the world a better place, want to make you know consumer-friendly devices, privacy-focused, all this other stuff. It seems that time and time again, these companies just disappoint us. Time and time again, people make money, and then completely lose track of of the whole purpose of money. And it's it's just so sad. Like yeah, profits are important. But profits are not everything. If profits are your only bottom line, then 
But yeah, I'm going to end on that note. I don't like to end on bad notes, but this is something that people need to... I think it's important. Like, it's not everything is, is, is super positive. This is unfortunate. Like, this is one of the major reasons that really pushes me to want to do my own thing, to want to be so ambitious as to start my own, you know, company and to and to try to compete on this on that scale. It's because I really think there needs to be champions. And there's not. And it really, really frustrates me. So, yeah. That's where I'm going to end it. Thanks, as always, for listening. Let me know what you think. Please feel free to educate me if I'm wrong. You know where to find me, at Elijah Claude, on pretty much every platform. Hit me up. Thank you. See you. Bye-bye.